Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29. When God spoke to Abraham, there was a period for 13 years where God did not speak to Abraham. Just let that sink in. There was a period of time when God spoke to Abraham about his plans and purposes for the nation of Israel, for the nation and nations that would come through, tribes, I should say, came through. And then God didn't speak to him for 13 years. What do you do for 13 years? You have no other option than to keep doing the last thing he told you to do. 13 years. Now, time is not a problem to God. It's only an issue to you. That's why it tells you to use your time very, very carefully. 13 years of not hearing God, but Abraham was still going on. And when God speaks to Abraham, he picks up at the very place he left. Isn't that amazing? I remember it. Let's see if you remember a conversation after 13 years. Let's, in fact, let's see if you remember what I said after 13 minutes. <laughs> 13 years. When God speaks to you, he doesn't have to keep speaking to you in that area. He can move on and speak to you in other areas. But he spoke to you in that one area and you think, God, you forgot you because you haven't spoke to me for a long time about it. You must have forgot. I, the Lord, don't forget. If God's going to be eternal and God's going to map this whole thing out and God's going to plan where we all live and who we live with and all and destiny, do you think he can forget a conversation he's had with you? How could he judge people if he forgets, if he, if he forgets who they are? So God doesn't forget. He doesn't even change his mind. Oy. That's the nature of God. God instead speaks, pulls back, and then just watches. To see if you will do what he spoke to you about. Right now, the eyes of God are on you. So what was the last thing God spoke to you about? Because the last thing he spoke to you about, God's eyes are watching. In fact, in the, in, I think it's Deuteronomy, I can't remember the, the scripture now. It says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, looking for those, looking for those whose hearts are set on God. He didn't say those who come to church. Those who pray and those who sing, yeah, the God of wonder. Those who walk and work with God. Yes? God's watching to see if you will do anything with what he has said. David's given us a beautiful illustration this morning, a testimony of him doing something with what God has said. Now that, that process has taken you how long, Dave? A couple of years? Because we've, sp we've spoke about it for a long time. But here he is, he's in position. This is just stage one of many, many stages that he's got and many battles he's going to have to fight he'll have to learn that when you when God gives you a word you have to go with the word and believe in that word you have to trust the word listen you have to trust 
the word of God and the God of his word. They are the same person. The God of his word is the word of God. So if I, said, if I say to my children, we're going to do something, they take me at my word. Yeah? And they crucify me on those words. But you said, Dad. Ah, yeah, but what I meant. No, no, Dad. What you said is what we heard. And we're taking you literally on that word. So Jeremiah 29, verse, starting at verse 8, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. So God is about to say something. And then he says this, Do not let the, the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Don't let the prophets and the diviners, don't you put it, yeah, diviners, that's how you pronounce it, isn't it? Diviners among you deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. It's a very serious offense when you say things and use the name of God. And God didn't say it. It's a very serious offense. Because what's the one thing God has given to you and me? He's given us his name. Jesus Christ has given us his name. It's a name that all powers recognize. So when you use wrongly, you're in trouble. So let's continue reading this. I have not sent them. Who's not sent them? God has not sent them. Declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I'll come and I'll fulfill my gracious promise to you and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. Now we all know this scripture, but we don't take what went before it. He's talking about rescuing a nation out of exile, bringing them back to a position that they once had and lost. Because they would not, surprise, surprise, listen to him. Okay? So, when you don't do what he asks you to do, it will take you to a place you don't want to go. So, so I'll come to you and I'll fulfill my gracious promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now we all declare that scripture. That was given to me at my baptism. And it's a scripture I've never forgot. But what they should have told me is, here I was, I was coming out of captivity. When I got baptized, I'd come back to the Lord and I was, here's God was bringing me out of captivity and here he was, was, he was bringing me to a new position in life. Yes? And that's why having plans to help you, to prosper you, makes a whole, much, a whole lot of sense when you have been rescued from your, your backslide or your backslidden walk or you've been, captive, you've been captured by some sin or habit or whatever. When God rescues you, these scriptures make sense. Yes? So we all want to know the plans God's got for us. But you need to know these plans keep you out of places he doesn't want you to be in. Yes? So I give you hope in the future. And then you'll call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. See, God's going to listen to you. Declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back from captivity. And I'll gather you from all the nations and place, places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I'll bring you back to the place in which I carried you into exile. You can be exiled in your own mind. 
You can be exiled inside your own heart. You can. By the way you think, by the things you say, by the attitudes and perspective you develop, you can live in exile all by yourself. And you put yourself in exile. It wasn't a demonic. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. You put yourself. Now, there are other times when people get in those places because they opened up the doors to wrong things. Yeah? You know, I can be in exile for a week. I can be in exile for a day. I can be in exile for five minutes with a wrong thought. I can put myself. But guess what? I can also get myself out of exile by a different kind of thought and by a different kind of action. I have the keys to the kingdom. Jesus said, I'll give you the keys. And that's what it means. I can lock myself in and I can unlock the doors that I put myself in. I put myself in a prison just as much as I unlock myself out of a prison. Is that not true? We all have crazy thoughts from time to time. Crazy thoughts live inside real people. Good people. But crazy thoughts, and especially if you put an emotion behind that, whoa. So let me say this to you, and if you're smart, you might write this down. Your deliverance, your prosperity, and your advancement is directly attached. So your prosperity, your deliverance, prosperity, and advancement is directly attached to how well you can hear God speak to you. This was a nation who ended up in exile, who could not advance, did have no prosperity, because they did not listen to what God repeatedly kept saying. God's very gracious. He doesn't speak once. He can speak once, but very often he's gracious enough to speak to us many, many times, and then he stops. Do you know why he stops? Because you stop listening. So your sensitivity to that voice of God in the area stops penetrating your heart and mind, so you would never know if it's God stopped speaking. You just no longer hear God speak to you in that area. Yes? <laughs> in order for you to hear what God wants to say to you, there are some places you've just got to be in. And there are some people you've got to be connected to. There are, in order for God to speak to you and for you to hear him clearly, there are some places you need to be in, and there are some people in that place you must be connected to. Two, because God uses people to speak to people. Let's get this. Words don't just come out. We haven't got, anybody had a burning bush experience? I've never seen a burning bush. Right. So therefore, they don't, I mean, there's a lot of burning things around here, but they're not bushes. It can be houses, cars, it can be all kinds of things, but I ain't seen God pop out of a burning bush. Right. So I need to understand how God speaks to me. And there are places where he speaks in and there are people he uses in that place to speak as well as him speaking to me personally. Yes? Do we all understand that? But we have to be in that place connected to those people to be able to draw what God is saying. This is how it works. Phil, we've all done this and you do this regular. You go to a church you've never been, you go to a meeting you've never been to before and the guy gets up and straight away you do that. You made a judgment, we all do it. You make a judgment, don't like him. He hasn't said anything yet. Don't like the way he walks. I don't like the way he looks. 
Two minutes into the... Yeah, see, it was right. He's useless. Right. If you can't connect two, how do you expect to draw? You've got to learn to get past. I tell myself this all the time. I've got to learn to get past the, the package. You're lucky. You get a good package to look at each week. You get a package to look at. Boy, am I a package. <laughs> Wait until I start undoing this package. You're in trouble. Spirit, spiritually, spiritually. Behind there's a six-pack. It's all controlled. Phil will tell you. Seen it in the gym. The issue is this. If you can't connect to that person, what God has, because God speaks from spirit to spirit dimension, right? So when God speaks, if you're, you can't connect to that person, those people, then the chances are the transference that God's trying to make into your spirit, the deposit, we'll call it the deposit, you can't make the deposit. It's incomplete because you can't connect. Does this make sense? Many times Jesus walked into a place and many people, because of their prejudices, because of their religiosity, could not connect to what Jesus was saying. But every now and then somebody would rise up and somebody would make that connection. And because they could make the connection, they could reach out to Jesus, just like the woman with the issue of blood. She touched him straight away, she got the transfer. But all the religious leaders around him saying... What the hell are you doing letting this woman touch you? Or he goes into a Pharisee's house and this woman starts braving his feet with the tears of her eyes and, her, and using her own hair. Can you imagine that scene? And, and, and all they could say is that she was a sinful woman. And because she was a sinful woman, they completely misunderstood what was going on. And Jesus said, I walked into your house. Did you give me a drink? No. But she's, she's used the tears of her feet to, to, to wash my, my feet. Did you give me a table? No. And then he starts telling her all the things that she's done. They missed it. They couldn't take what Jesus was saying. That this woman knew the secret of how to draw when you're in the right place and connect to the right person. She, she needed soul health. And she got forgiveness. None of them did. But she did. Why? Because she, was, she knew how to connect when she was in the place. My friends, you come here every week. You've got to learn to connect and receive so that this word can do amazing things inside your life. If you fight the speaker, there's only you're going to lose. Seriously, I've fought many speakers in my mind. I never won one. Never won one. So in order to, so in order to, sorry, in order to hear what God wants you to, what He wants to say, you've got to be in some places and connected, because I've had to learn this principle myself. I, when I first came here, everything about this place I hated. Because my stream, I was an evangelical stroke brethren. And anybody been in one of those churches, you know that they can be pretty tough and, and boring. Women wear hats, women keep quiet, no spirit life, no nothing, no flow. So when I came in here, this was like a, this, this is my words I'm using, it wasn't like this. It was like a circus. Spiritual gifts, it was like being in the Corinthian church. And... I had some prejudice, and God had to deal with my heart. But guess what? I could not be stood here today if I hadn't have made if I hadn't have made the journey into the right place and then connected to the right people. And uh, that's the same. And, and even so, in God has to send me into Malaysia for me to connect, be in the right place to connect with the right people. And that's been my story ever since. And you know what I found out is that whatever, because I'm in the right place and because I'm connected, wherever I go. 
I'm now set up to receive the word, whatever it is. I, Phil's been with me many, many times when prophets from around the world have been in meetings. I, I've gone to listen to them speak. And God can call me out in a meeting and they can prophesy key things over to me. Why? Because I'm in the right place. I'm connected. So God can let me go anywhere to receive his word because I'm set up. You can send that email to my desktop anywhere. Yeah? But some of you don't have that system set up. So God can't send you an email from anywhere. You understand what I'm talking about when I say emails? Spiritual words. Coming into your heart on your desktop. Yes? Because you're not Wi-Fi friendly. You're not Bluetooth friendly. Yeah? Bluetooth isn't one of them. In order for you to do and in order for you to see those things that are in your heart, there are some things you will need to hear. So what I mean by this is as I'm speaking or whoever it is speaking, by what you hear, you then see. Does that make sense? So I'm having a conversation with Julie, for instance, and we're talking and as, as we're talking... Her response could be, or my response to her, either way, it could, be, it could be either way. She says, ah, now I understand. Ah, yeah, now I see what you're saying. Through what she heard, what was spoken she heard, through what she heard or I heard, understanding, enlightenment then came to us, and we say, ah, now I see. So your sight is connected to your ability to hear. And your ability to hear is connected to your ability to see. The two are inseparable. So you have to work on both uh, character traits, both skills, both attributes, in order to hear God and see God. You can't hear God without seeing Him. You can't see Him without hearing Him. Yes? See what I'm about to do today. Well, as you see what He's about to do, you're also hearing. He's declaring what He's doing. Yes? So we need to understand this. Back to Jeremiah a second. You see, if you can't see and you can't hear, then God's work inside of you remains incomplete. Yes. If you, what you can't see and what you can't hear, you can't lay hold of. And God's work then becomes incomplete because it's in that what you hear and you see, you can make a journey and things begin to change. See, when David heard God speak to him about going into politics, he didn't see the picture. He just heard at that point, did he not? Now, because he heard and just worked by audio, he then, God brought other members, of other people into his life to speak to him to keep what God had said alive inside David. Now, at this point, David doesn't see it, but he hears it. Then all of a sudden, even the more he makes his steps, he begins to see. And then he thinks, Ashley, I'm going to be a candidate. And, they, and they've basically given me the job. I didn't have to interview for it. Yeah, you'll do. That's good. That's the greatest interview you ever needed. <laughs> yep, you'll do. That's what happened to me. When he interviewed me for this, for this job here. As a pastor, yep, you'll do. Well, there's no one else. <laughs> hey, listen, the salary they were offering me, they would have got nobody else. 
When I, every job I've ever been for, I've not had more than four minutes. I say four because it's been that short. Four minutes in the interview. Yep, you got the job. I like that. It's easy. They're great. I don't think that will always be the case, but then again, I'm not going for another job. But <laughs> The point is, is, the more David began to hear God, David now begins to see. He begins to see, this is how God can use me. Yes? He's not started yet, in the true sense of reforming. All he's done, he's just navigated his way through the tunnels to get to the, to the starting place. It's a green light. Yeah? yeah? But there's going to be amber, and there's going to be some reds. Then there's going to be some greens again. And every time God speaks, he's going to have to hear first, and then he's going to have to wait until he sees. Yes? And then from what he sees, he can also hear God. And this is how you and I must navigate life. We hear, and then later on we see. We don't always see at the same time. We hear. Sometimes that is separated. Other times it can come instantly. So from hearing, we see. From seeing, we then hear. And it goes on like that all the time. Yes? That's why God sometimes must bring you to a place and say, do you see what's happening? Observe what is happening. So, the prophet, Jeremiah, things, um, the prophets, the situation here, what was going on was, there was many voices on the ground. They were all saying all kind of things. And each one of them is saying it's God. Yes? So this is the problem of modern day Christianity. Everybody's saying God. Everybody says they're a prophet. Everybody says they're an apostle. So now, everybody's confused as to what the real and the genuine should be. Everybody calls himself a Christian. But now we've got to work out who are the real and who are the imposters. So you'll always find in church, there's always a few who stick their ne- neck out and say, I'm this, which is bold. Then everyone can attack that. But when everybody says I'm the same, then you're in, tr- then you're in real trouble. When everybody's the same, right, then we are in trouble. Why? Because we, no one knows who's real and who's not. True? So here we are on the ground. The false prophets are speaking and Jeremiah is speaking. <coughs> so the people then are listening to the prophets, plural. And they think... It's God who's speaking to them through listening to the prophets. Can you get this? So these people, not only do they not hear God properly for themselves, in those days, they didn't have the Holy Ghost like you've got. They, They relied on the prophets to speak. Yes? So they listened to the prophets speak, and when the prophets began to say all kinds of things, people believed them. So what happened? This creates a whole kind of intensity on the ground. This is the reason why they're in exile. And this is going to be a reason, if we don't sort this out, why they're going to remain in exile. This is going to be the reason why you don't advance and prosper if you can't hear the real from the ungenuine. Is that right? Ungenuine? Ingenuine? In, in, yeah, false. We'll call false. All right. Liars. <laughs> yeah, this, that's it. Thank you. Disingenuous. It's easy to say false, isn't it? <laughs> the disingenuous 
then we're going to have some trouble. And this is the problem we have in the church. Most Christians, and I say most, do not know the real from the counterfeit. And you know, in some areas, I could be there myself. It's very easy. And this is why we must know the God of his word and we must know the word of God. It's not just know the word of God, you must know the God of his word. And the, God, uh, the word of God, the two are inseparable. Yes? And because people get very clever. You know, the, you've all received these Nigerian emails. I say the Nigerian, they could be, they come from somewhere. And they get the English, first of all, the English was so bad, you just knew straight away it was, it was bad. It, seriously, the English was terrible. And now, they're smart. Now they're getting, listen, now the punctuation is better than mine. And now they're clever. But as soon as the point, this is the giveaway. I have a bank account so, and some money for you, and all you've got to do is make a transfer. Now, how many, listen, those emails wouldn't be sent if there wasn't somebody out there listening. People think, oh, our, you've won the lottery in Canada. I didn't do the lottery in Canada, I didn't do the lottery in England. Now, the older you get, you can get duped. It's true. So we all know it's possible to be duped. True? And how many times have you had uh, a fake email from Apple? I almost paid a bill from Orange when Orange was going, and I rang up this number, and I was in the Philippines. And this woman says to me, Philippines, where are you ringing from? I said, England. She said, well, she says, it's a scam. It's not on our system. I said, well, she said, and the reason why, it's a £35 bill. And most people won't fight a £35, uh, 35 pound bill, so they pay it. But because you rang the number, they didn't expect you to ring this number, and you did, it's a scam. Hey, we can all be, we can all be duped. So the false prophets are on the ground. But I know you've never listened to a false prophet. Because they don't come with a sign saying, False. So, the Lord, so here they are. They believe that God's saying this, and it's God who's speaking to them. It's a very dangerous position. Yeah? The Lord raises up another prophet to counteract the false prophets. So we've got false prophets, prophet. So now, we've got to be able to know the difference between the genuine and the disingenuine. Yeah? So this is serious stuff. And God's got to counter, counteract all the mess that's on the ground. Why? Because at the heart of it, he still wants to liberate people. And he knows that the prophets on the ground are the ones that's causing the mess. Think of how many prophets, uh, prophecies were made over Jesus' death and his resurrection. Now, can you imagine if any of those prophecies were wrong? We wouldn't have a watertight, foolproof gospel. Every prophecy prophesied about Jesus' death and his resurrection uh, has, has come to pass. Yeah. And all those, so that gives you great confidence to know that if the death and the resurrection was 100%, so the return. So the return. So if we can trust all these here, why can't we trust from here, there? Yes? So here we are. We have legitimate and counterfeit, on the ground at the same time. Then the Lord speaks about 
Israel's deliverance from Babylon. So she's been in, we said, when 70 years are up, I'm then going to release them and bring them back into a place, a good spacious place where they can prosper, they can advance, but where they're going to have to listen to me again. And if we don't rectify this problem of you not being able to hear me, we're always going to be back in exile. Remember that. Remember that if you can't hear God, your destiny is called exile. At some point, you'll put yourself in exile. Now, I know this is, this is the problem with this message is this. We all think we listen to the genuine. That's our first deception right there. Let me say this, and I'll, very, I'll say this very cautious, cautiously. Not everything that comes out of my mouth will be 100% right. But guess what? That doesn't make me erroneous. You might hear opinions. You might hear information that's wrong or not quite accurately true. But that's why we have a leadership. That's why I'm approachable. That's why we remove all the stones. Because we, we, we can get things wrong from time to time. There's a difference between someone who's false and, th- and just keeps go- and knowing the false, but they keep going on and on and on and on and on. We might get things wrong, but that's where love, grace and mercy and accountability and transparency, you cannot overcome these things. You must have them. Yeah. When these things are in place, then we're a lot safer. Yeah. Yes? I don't know if you know, but this is flesh and blood that's standing before you. This is not divine. I know, I know. <laughs> it's flesh and blood. Now, <clears throat> all this commotion reveals certain things, such as how when Christians don't hear God, they can... Conv- Listen. Give me your ears. When Christians can't hear God, Christians become the, their own false prophets. When Christians can't hear God properly, Christians become their own false prophet. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm glad you asked. You say things, when you say things that God never said, one of you is lying. Let's remove the God part and let's look what's left. When you say things and you declare things, I'm talking about any one of us now. I'm not talking about preachers. I'm talking about any one of us. When you say something and it's not God, one of us is wrong. And we know which one that is. It's better to say nothing than to say something. Now, we all have done it. We can all get things wrong. I've just said that. The frequency of your wrongness Alarms me. Not yours, generally speaking. We can all say something that might not be true. We can disagree with. But if we keep saying things that is wrong and we can't agree with, then we've got trouble. True? We can all live with somebody who says something wrong. But we can't live with somebody who keeps saying it wrong. But yet they're thinking, you know the worst liar in the world? The worst liar in the world is the one... Who thinks when he's speaking, he's telling you the truth? That's the worst liar in the world. And these false prophets are are liars. 
They do it all the time. They don't get it right, get it wrong, get it right, get it wrong. They get it wrong. Why? Because they're false. So, it's very easy to become your own false prophet. If you keep getting it wrong, you discredit the God that you say that you're hearing. If you get it wrong, you discredit the God that you say that you are hearing. And you discredit your own spirituality. We can all get it wrong. True? But we, we're not, the difference is, and here's the big issue about getting it wrong. The reason why you'll get it wrong and you'll keep getting it wrong from the reason you'll get it wrong occasionally is this. Do you want the answer? It's very simple. Over here, you're not accountable. Over here, you're accountable. If I'm accountable, once I get it wrong and learn, I never get it wrong again. Because I've, I've realized I was wrong. Hello? Because I was wrong over here, I can be accountable and I can get it right. And I can minimize my mistakes. But when I'm not accountable, how do you ever know when you were wrong? So you'll keep repeating and repeating and repeating your mistakes. And you'll discredit the God you serve and you'll discredit your own spirituality. Accountability is the issue. It really is, folks. I remember getting something wrong once in a church. I remember Phil getting something. Well, he didn't get it wrong. He said something that wasn't wrong. That wasn't wrong, but he said it felt wrong to them. Do you remember that? He got it was wrong because I wasn't there. Was I not there? Did not my spirit go with you? I said to you, keep your mouth shut, and you didn't listen. And he began to say something, and this guy shouts him down. But he wasn't wrong for what he said. But all of a sudden, there's a holy unrest in the room. So what, what does a good man do? You cause a trouble. <laughs> Get yourself out of it. Now, he didn't. He stood his ground, and he explained. Was he wrong? No. They said he was wrong. But because he's accountable, he said, you know what? If I'm wrong, show me. Not a problem. I did it on a men's weekend for another church. They asked me, lastminute.com, I'd got the Dave job. I got the Dave job. Nobody was available to come and do this men's retreat. And then all of a sudden, my name came out of the house. Can you take this men's retreat? Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. Man, did that cause me a lot of hassle. It caused me hassle afterwards. And the pastor has to bring me in to talk to me. And then this is what he says, you know, I, I, he couldn't be there. He said, I, lay, I heard all the message. He said, I was crying. I loved everything you're saying. Okay. How? But one guy in our church didn't like what you said. Well, you go and sort him out. What are you coming to me for? I, I've got to be shown that. I'm bringing the two. But I said, look, it's your, I'll answer to you. You've already told me that everything you said was fine. Case dismissed. The rest is up to you. Go and sort your boy out. I've come to you. You've already told me face to face I'm okay. Right, so I'm okay. Now guess what? Six months later, the pastor wasn't even on the job. When I'm right, I'm right. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. The issue is, will you be accountable? Will you be accountable? That's the issue, folks. In the hearing God, get it into your mind that you will get things wrong. Getting it wrong is not the issue in the kingdom. 
The issue is, will you be accountable? Because you, when you're accountable, you can learn from it. And that's what God wants us to do, learn from it. We haven't got... A, listen, I always say, the church is a place to learn. You know, years ago when I was growing up, if anybody prophesied and they said it wrong, the elders would be sitting there and you feel like we're all going to get jumped on and kicked to death. So nobody would prophesy. I don't blame him. Why would you prophesy in that environment? You think, they're going to kill me. And it's like these eyes were piercing. Get it wrong, get it wrong, get it wrong. None of you are getting it wrong, no are. And then they'd sit there when it's right to go, oh, that just makes me mad. It makes me mad. I want to go and give him an apostolic fivefold. So, in 1 Corinthians, you have to turn to it. In 1 Corinthians, the issue was spiritual gifts were being used. But there wasn't order. There wasn't accountability. And because of that, you had all kinds of disorder. But there's the thing. He said, when someone prophesies, give them room. And then weigh it up. Weigh it up. Give them room. Weigh it up by the, by the prophets. See if it's from God. Now here's the issue. When it's not from God and it's not 100%, what do we do? Do we stand up and we go, uh, Brother David, I don't believe that was from the Lord. Sit down, you're false. <laughs> what do we do? No, but that was, the, that was the time and generation I grew up in church. What I should have done was... After church is finished, approach David. Dave, what was in your heart when you, were, when you were prophesying? Okay, and we talk it through. And the church is big enough to take the hit. Now, if David keeps getting up every week, I might have to take a baseball bat with a feather on, me, on it. If David won't listen and keeps speaking up and, and uh, disobeys protocol, that's different. But there's got to be room to get it wrong. I am not standing here all right. I got it wrong loads of times. I remember this, this fellow here preaching many, many years ago and comes out with a joke at the wrong time. The joke was funny. Well, because it was my joke. So what do we have to do? We kind of marched him up. It's like the grand old Duke of York. We marched him up to the top of the hill and we marched him down again. And when we were up, we were up. And when we were down, we were only halfway down. And we sat down we said, explain what was going on. And he did, he did, he did, he did, Because in those days, he was like bubbly. And we sits him down. After we kind of got his fingers in the vice, pulled him out. No, we sat down, we talked about it. And it was like, what you were saying was brilliant. It was great. But then you came in with this joke. Why did you bring this joke in? And to this day, he doesn't know why. But he was accountable. Did we do it in front of you lot? No. Did you hear him scream on the torture chamber upstairs? No, because there wasn't one. We discussed it like men, didn't we? We agreed that you were wrong. <laughs> well, what we're showing you is this leadership has been transparent. We get it wrong. Well, when we say we, I really mean him. <laughs> and Paul, well, Paul's always wrong. <laughs> uh, exactly. If you're listening on the audio, Paul, yeah, you'll get it right one day. 
So the word came back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11. The word came to me, and he says, what do you see? I see a branch of an almond tree. What did the Lord reply? You have seen correctly, for I'm watching to see my word is fulfilled. So fulfillment is directly attached to what you see. Now, if we've already said that hearing and seeing our brother and sister, yes, fulfillment is also a part of that family. Because hearing and seeing must be leading us to a place. And that place is called fulfillment. That's why I said you can't prosper or advance if you can't hear God. Because you'll only ever interpret what you think you think God is saying, but because you're not accountable, it can never be measured or weighed up to other people. So then you get emotions make decisions. And when emotions make decisions, they, nine times out of ten, they get us in trouble. And that's where many, many Christians end up Losing the destiny because of the, the way they interpret what God is saying. This is a serious thing in, in, in the church today, worldwide. Many people are saying things that God hasn't said. God isn't saying an awful lot, but he's saying some strategic things. Yeah. I honestly don't believe God is saying half of what people say he's saying. That doesn't mean to say I can't be helped by it. Because wisdom's wisdom. But when you say God said, if you say to me, let me share you what I feel is in my heart. I read, that, read this and this is how I've been feeling this week and I want to share this, what's in my heart. Right. You've given me the context. You're saying that you're sharing something that you feel enlightened by and encouraged by. So therefore, I can feed off that encouragement. I might not necessarily agree everything you're saying. But the moment you say God said, oh, hang on a minute. That's different. Because now you're using my dad's name. It's like using your dad's credit card. <laughs> once, you know, once you know what's behind that card and you go wild with it, you can get us in a whole lot of trouble just because you know that PIN number. Yeah? And you know what? Christians have learned to swipe. Uh, sorry, they've learned now to go be contactless. Between heaven, the contactless. They know they've got at least a, is it a 30 pound deposit? They've got a 30 pound deposit of knowledge in them. So they'll spend it, but they can't go beyond that. You know why? Because they're contactless. God never designed this relationship to be contactless. He designed it to have chip and pin. You can't get into heaven without chip and pin. That's why your name's on a book. Security is up there and it says, yes, we recognize, Mr. Higginson, you are part of the family of God. Right. So I, I am definitely chipped and pinned. And whatever other technology there is up there, but I am chipped and pinned. And when I raise my holy hand, straight away the Holy Spirit recognizes my identity code. Why? Because he sees the blood of Jesus on me. He sees the, he sees the sonship of God upon my life. And straight away, I'm already in the throne room, so I don't have to fight to get in. If you're trying to get in from the outside, then you're not being chipped and pinned. But I'm already in there. So seeing is directly. So 
Listen, when, this, when you see, let's, let's just hit, give you this, your mind and your heart and your understanding are all involved. When you see your mind is involved, ah, I see it, yeah, boom, that's called enlightened. Yes? But seeing, and I said it, enlightened is only one step. Then you need understanding. With understanding, it goes deep. It goes deep. With understanding, we can then make a new journey. When understanding comes to us, not just enlightenment. So many people, this is where, again, you could put your personality traits down here. And you could say, you know, when people get emotionally excited, all their energy comes and they go to one place and they do it. And then they start to lose the discipline and the order, and then what they do is get another burst of energy, and then they run over here. No, I can be a bit like that. I can be a bit like that. And I've had to learn, I'm learn, teaching myself, that's not finished. Now in our house, there's always projects going on, unfinished. Now, if I was married to Andrea, which I'm not, Andrea would have killed me along, we laugh about this all the time. My wife is such a nature, she'll say, it's okay, it's not finished, he'll get round to it. See, that's a grace. <laughs> but well, listen, when the mist comes down, I've got to get it done. But more times than not, Carol will say, it's okay, it's not a problem. She's pretty relaxed about those things. If that was Andrea, I would have been dead. <laughs> and I say, that's why God didn't give you to me, and he gave Carol. So very quickly, let me finish by saying this. You might want to write these scriptures down. Just, I'm just going to quote these and then we're, we're finishing. Mark 4, 24 says this. Consider carefully what you hear. Consider carefully. That's in the NIV. But in the authorized standard version, it says, take care what you listen to. Listen, carefully listen. Or consider carefully, sorry. And Take care what you listen. This will determine what you see and what you hear. This is the approach that God wants you to have. Consider carefully. This morning you must consider carefully what I'm saying. Can you hear what God is saying this morning to you? Right? Consider carefully, he's saying. Take care what you listen to. Why? By your standard, uh, he says this, take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure... It will be measured to you and more will be given besides. So what you understand and what you carefully consider can be added. That's your advancement. Yes? If you don't hear, if you don't consider, think about what's being said. No one's saying to you, I'm not implying to you that everything I've said, you've got to do. It's your job to go and consider. And if the same God that's speaking to me is the same God that speaks to you and witnesses to you, then beautiful. If not, what do we, do, what do we normally say to the kids when they're eating food and we say, eat the meat and then leave the other stuff? I'm saying to you, you've got to determine what you consider as meat, but I'm saying there's some good vegetables in there as well. Don't just eat the meat. There's some good veg in there. Then it says in Luke 8, 18, so we see Mark 4, 24 says, Consider carefully, take care what you listen. 
The two versions of, of Scripture that I've just given you from the NIV and the ASV. Then in Luke 8, 18, it says, So take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. That scripture frightens me. It really does. That things can actually, I can actually lose things by not understanding and thinking I have understood. I actually lose more. You've got to be chipped and pinned. So we say, consider carefully, take care what you listen to. Now it says, so take care how you listen. In other words, be attentive. Take some notes down. Write down what's capturing your heart. Go away, think about it. I like this. I like the Bible because it puts responsibility on me. I like that. Any faith that does not expect anything from you is not a faith. Even my teacher expected me to listen. She even, respond, she even expected me to respond. And she even expected me to do my homework according to the way she taught. She never got all three, by the way. <laughs> I used to say to my teacher, look, honey, it's one out of three. Just me being here is a bonus. Get over it. <laughs> then Genesis 3 verse 11 says this. Who told you? When... The serpent had been speaking to Eve. Eve then recites back to God what she thought she'd heard God say. And he said, who told you? So that now determines the source. The source that you're listening to. The source is the key. Remember what we said in Jeremiah? Jeremiah was listening to the false prophets. Not Jeremiah, the people, about, uh, Israelites were listening to the false prophets. They were the source that was polluting Israel. And then the genuine prophet stands up. Now God's changing the frequency in the, in the airways and he's creating a river in the desert. And he's trying to supply them with fresh water that they've not heard from the prophet Jeremiah. God will always try to find a way, if your heart is open, to find, a, uh, he'll find a, a stream in the desert for you to drink in. Yeah. Why? Because you're his child. Yeah. If you've got a heart that generally wants to learn, God will always get water to you. Yes? But guess what? We're not meant to survive. We're meant to thrive. You can't live on trickles in the desert. Though, albeit, there'll be times when you may have a trickle, but guess what? That's never your resting place. A trickle's never enough. We want a river. Amen? Out of you will flow what? Right, he didn't say trickles, did he? So who told you, he said? Who told you? So take care who tells you. You can't be listening to everybody and think it's okay. You've got to guard your heart and mind. Why? Because it's the wellspring of life. And by the way, when they say take care of who you listen to, don't listen to yourself sometimes. Because you're, you have the ability to put you in prison. You've got to listen to common sense. You've got to listen to wisdom. You've got to listen. Now we think, well, how do I get that? Well, connect to good people. Make the first connection to your Bible. The second connection, make it to not just your Bible, because that can be religious. Make it to the Holy Spirit. Be a chip and pin. 
Don't go, don't go contact. See, people who just read Bible on their own can still be contactless. We want a relationship with the Word of God and the God of His Word. Amen? So I'll ask you to please stand to your feet. As usual, there's tons more, but... You're the best crowd I spoke to today. Oh yeah, there's a lot more. I always want to make sure that when I come before you, you've got the relevant and you've got the current word of God flowing. Amen. Amen. The last thing you need to do is come to church to listen to someone who's boring. And listen to someone who's not, who's struggling. Well, the shops were shut yesterday, so I couldn't get you a good meal today. No, no, no. My kitchen's always open. Amen. Amen? Yeah. Let's raise our hands if we will. We started this morning by singing, he's the God of wonder. He still is, he's not stopped. The most important thing that Jesus said, or Jesus did should say, he, the son of God became a son of man. So that the sons of men could become like the sons of God. What an amazing journey that was. We say that in one sentence, and that was 33 years of Jesus' life. That could be 70 years of your life. Somebody had to come from the throne room to the ground. To become like us, to be tempted like us, to overcome. Without sin, without blemish. So that we could become the true sons and daughters of God. An amazing, amazing journey that is. But it's all rest on this ability to hear and see. Many, in fact, millions and millions and millions of people around the world have not seen this event that you and I are celebrating today. They've not seen it. They're not interested in it. Our society is trying to bypass it. They want the holiday, but they don't want the, the, the uh, things that go with it. But you've seen it. And you must keep seeing it. You've heard his voice and you must keep hearing his voice. The moment you stop hearing, the moment you stop seeing is the moment you'll stop progressing. And God does not want that from you, my friends. He does not want you to stop progressing. He wants you to go to the very end and, and experience this wonderful life on earth. There's an inheritance waiting in heaven for you, but there's an inheritance that's been revealed to you now. And from that inheritance, God wants you to start drawing now. There's now and today. So, Father, I thank you that you became a son of man so that the sons of men could become the true sons of God. Oh, Father, come on, let's just give him celebration. He's the God of wonder. He's the God of wonder. <laughs> He's the God of wonder. He's the God of wonder. Hallelujah, Lord. <clears throat> mm. Praise God. On our next musical album that we do, it will be called The God of Wonder. That song was written for the next album. Because we must always keep on declaring what God's saying, what God's doing, 
what God wants to do. When God said to us this year about establishing the testimony of God, that song was written to complement that testimony. That he became the light, the life of men. And that's the journey as a church. That's our testimony. That song is our testament. He's the God of wonders. And throughout the rest of this year, we are going to keep seeing the God of wonder. Dave testified this morning, a God of wonder. Other people testified the weeks before, it was a God of wonder. The God of wonder is the thing that's going to be coming through this church time and time again. Amen? We're not going to wonder about God. He is the God of wonder. Amen? Well, have a great Easter. Lord bless you all.